I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. Dia Westaway, OAM, is the founder and chief adventure chick at Wild Woman on Top. She is a global leader and award-winning woman of influence who has inspired her team to create life-changing adventures that get women walking in nature for good. And one of those adventures is the very well-known Coast Trek, which is now Australia's premier charity hiking challenge for women. And Coast Trek is a 60 or 30K hike along Australia's most spectacular coastlines to get fit with friends and raise funds for mental health. And together, their community has walked over 2 million kilometres and raised over 45 million for charity. And that should get to 50 million this year. Well, Die's hoping. So, welcome, Die. Thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you are amazing and so inspiring and I'm so keen to get into our chat today. So as this podcast is very much centred around leading you, I would love to know if you were the leader of the world for a day, what would be the three things that you would change? Well, of course, first, Julie, I would put women in charge of all decisions that's just got to be done. Like, you know, until women lead the world, we're just not going to sort this shit out. <laughs> like, I just think men have lost the plot. <laughs> I really do. So that would be my first thing. And obviously, you know, Jeannie's out of the bottle. It's hard to get her back in. But yes, I think women are far better decision makers. They make decisions based on real need. They make decisions based on love and kindness and compassion and human relationships first. And I think that we really need that right now. Our planet needs that right now. We just all need a whole lot more of that. So women in charge would be number one. Number two, those women in charge would be wise enough to know that human health comes the way Hippocrates saw it those 2,000 years ago when he sat under his tree on the Greek island of Kos, where he educated people that if you feed the body well and you move the body, the health will take care of itself and that our fundamental human health comes from healthy practices, good food, sleep, rest, physical activity, not from a pill that someone pops in their mouth <laughs> generally. So um, I think we've lost the plot <laughs> um, in where we think our health comes from. And my third thing would be to educate people, educate, educate, educate around the importance of taking responsibility for your health. Don't outsource your health to anybody else. Don't expect your doctor to look after your health because only you can really fix your health and it takes hard work and effort and self-love. So I guess that's the third message. Love yourself enough to care for your body 
and that will take care of everything else. And then you'll be a better carer, a better businesswoman, a better wife, a better partner, a better friend, all those things will be better because you'll be full of energy and full of zest and enthusiasm for life. So you'll be able to be much more productive in every part of your life. Yes, I love that, Di. And it's so true in what you mentioned about taking responsibility for your health. I feel like people just outsource that so many providers and like you say, like popping the pill or taking the green juice or um, mixing up whatever it might be. But I find that just really fascinating. Like you say, it does take hard work and discipline. Yes, yes. But it starts with you really loving yourself and going, I'm a really good, amazing person and I'm worthy of being healthy and I'm prepared to make the investment that that takes. And of course, you know, when the washing pile flies high and there's dinner to be cooked and there's kids running around and there's work to be done and reports to be done and social media, just keeping up with all those things, most women are going, what the fuck? Like, there's no time for me and all of that. Well, sorry, nah. (laughs) Flip that around and go, I am number one if I'm not healthy and well and happy none of the rest of it matters in the end. You can't do a good job of all those things. So, so yeah, I think loving yourself first and the respect and all goodness will flow from that. I love it. But I think your last point was a really good um, you know, segue into your story because you were looking down the barrel of a milestone birthday. You were feeling unhappy and unfit. So I'd love to understand what was the catalyst to change the lens that you were looking at life through to become this amazing woman, a healthy and fit woman that you are right now? Well, I look, I think the catalyst was the recognition that I was about to turn 40. And at the time, that was just like, that was the end, you know, like it was all downhill in my view. From 40, it's all downhill. And I was in a really bad marriage. It was really a dysfunctional marriage. I was on that working mum treadmill, going to work, coming home, throwing food on the table, reading stories, getting kids to bed, doing homework, not in that order. And there was really no time for me. I had significantly at the time, I remember, there was nothing to look forward to except piles of washing and, you know, the never clean enough kitchen and all those things. So I was missing something to look forward to. I was missing something for me. And my mental health wasn't great because I wasn't exercising. So I wasn't doing all those things that I now know. And I think then I knew as well, but I just couldn't push those things up up the list of priorities to actually do it. So the trigger was my 40th birthday, which coincided with an out of the blue invitation to go and climb the highest mountain in the Southern Hemisphere, a mountain called Mount Aconcagua in the Andes. And it was a ridiculous notion. I'd never climbed a mountain before. I'd never even been in a tent. And all of a sudden I had this invitation to go climb this mountain. Because I was in a bad place, because I was desperate, I was like, oh, I'll do that. (laughs) Why not? Why not go and climb the highest mountain in the Southern Hemisphere? Like, So the other thing that I recognized with saying yes to that invitation, which I said very impulsively, just like, yes, without knowing what I was letting myself in for, was that it forced me to prioritise my health and fitness because I had to be a certain level of I had to be strong because I had to carry a 23 kilo pack on my back and climb a mountain with that pack. 
We had to cart loads of equipment up and then come back down and go up and come back down. So it was going to be very physically challenging in a very remote wilderness environment at high altitude. Um, so it was going to be a challenge of a physical and mental challenge of the proportions that I'd never experienced before. And in saying yes to that, that put on, you know, a train of motion of like, okay, I'm doing this thing. I better get really fit. So there was times when my friend and I talked my best friend into joining me and she was at a similar place in her life. There was times when we'd get up at 3 a.m. so we could go training before work. It was like ridiculous that we would do it. But we were working mums. Like when else are you going to fit in three hours of, you know, hiking with a heavy backpack? Um, so it was an incredible thing, but the motivation that I got out of that goal to be really physical and to push my body and to get stronger and fitter and having that something to look forward to, like from the moment I signed up, it was a mixture of, I was terrified by the idea of walking up this mountain in these spiky things called crampons. <laughs> um, but it was seemed so exciting. I was like, am I really doing this? Like, I'm going to go and climb a mountain. Like, oh. So it was an amazing time in the six months that we had training in the lead up to it. To cut a very long story short, we failed to get to the top of the mountain. But what we learned about um, strength, courage, mental toughness, being able to survive in the wilderness with nothing except what you're carrying on your back, what we learned was so, was so incredible. Like there was times when we feared for our life. We heard stories of people dying on the mountain where we were and people did die while we were there. And when we came back, even though we failed to get to the top, we both came back and went, we're invincible. Like, it's like nothing can stop us now. It was the most amazing thing and it really was that classic life-changing adventure. And I then ended up leaving my marriage. And when I looked back on that, it was that surviving on that mountain that gave me the courage and strength that when my world was falling apart and we had to leave our family home, we farmed out one kid there, one kid there, one kid there. I had one kid with me and we were all living in different places. And throughout that, I had this little thing going, you're strong, you're tough, you're going to get through this. So it was a really interesting experience that did give me that strength. And I've spoken to other women who have done similar things like that and we went on to start a group that did climb to big mountains and I'm not the only one that had that experience. They now will draw on that experience and go, I can do anything. Like I'm just so strong and so tough. So, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, that is incredible. And when you were saying about the little voice you had in your head to say you can get through it, that really gave me goosebumps. So do you think saying yes to climbing the mountain was a case of you didn't know what you were in for so much other than, okay, I've got to get fit, I've got to climb this thing and I've got to feel myself to do that. But you didn't necessarily know what it really meant that you said yes or was it just that you were looking for something? Probably both of those things. I knew I needed something. I knew something in my life had to change because I really was miserable. Uh, so, yeah, it was like, I've got to do something. Something has to change. And look, an alternative might have been going to my doctor and getting a psychologist, having a counselling program or, you know, I guess I probably would have been put on medication or something. I don't know. There would have been other things that I could have chosen to do. But this just felt like this was what I needed. I needed to just get out. I needed to escape 
from this little white picket fence where everyone would walk past and think, oh, everything's happy in that little, you know, in that little house. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> like, it was bloody miserable in that little house. What I didn't expect was the lesson of this confidence and the strength and the resilience and the mental toughness. That wasn't what I was looking for. The mental benefits, the mental health benefits of going through that challenge and overcoming that challenge, that was nowhere on my radar in the lead up. So, yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Yeah, that's right. So it doesn't even matter that you didn't reach the top. You know what? The fact that we didn't meet the top, because we came back as a failure, we felt as a failure in a way, that almost added another level of motivation to I need more of this. (laughs) So, yes, it was an interesting time. Yeah, I love that. And that courage and resilience that you got out of it was the thing that's really fueled you on. So, you know, perception is a really interesting thing, isn't it? Like you say, when people are looking over your white picket fence, it's like, oh, look at that, you know, perfect family, everything's great. And it's so not. And I speak to so many women who have been in a place or who are in a place similar to where you're at. It might not be as extreme, but it's certainly not putting themselves first, not filling their own cup, putting everyone else before themselves and ultimately that leads to unhappiness and unfulfillment so why do you think so many people get to this point in their lives where it's just being a very very good people pleaser and oh that's a big question you know I think for many women like I believe that humans are born to be good I believe that we are put on this planet to help other people and it's in our DNA to help other people. And for women, there's not just that in our DNA to help others and to care for the tribe and to care for our children, but there is also culturally and environmentally, um, we bring up our girls to be the carers. (laughs) And so you've got, well, they probably would be doing that in any case. I think the thing that's changed is that our environment used to be a healthy environment. So our environment used to allow us to move a lot and our environment used to provide healthy, nourishing food. Now our environment is mostly sedentary, mostly plugged into screens, and it's hard to find food. Like It's hard to find food that's not processed, full of chemicals and full of toxins and all of that. So I think our nature probably hasn't changed. It's getting really philosophical now. But I think our environment is no longer suited to our nature. And that means that we, we can't thrive without making a conscious effort and without understanding where our health comes from. And most people don't learn that. And Coast Trek, which, you know, is something that's really well known. And that's where I first, you know, heard about you and met you was um, when you were talking about that, that was really born from your love or your newfound love of, of hiking and wanting to enable other women to experience what you did. So um, can you tell us more about Coast Trek? Because you've got the Sydney and the Melbourne ones coming up really, really soon. Yes, we've got the Sydney event is on in, in March. Then we've got Melbourne, which is actually on the Mornington Peninsula. That's at the end of May. Then we've got the Fleurier Peninsula, South Australia in September. Uh, Oh, I forgot. We've got the Sunshine Coast event in July. They're every two months. And then we've got the Margaret River at the end of the year in October. So it goes Sydney, then Melbourne, then the Sunshine Coast, 
then the Fleurier Peninsula, then the Margaret River event. So no matter where you are and what time of year it is in Australia, you can always find that there's one coming up. But the thing about Coast Trek, the reason I started Coast Trek was because I realised that a little group of wild women at the time, we had little groups of eight to ten women, we used to put our head torches on at night time, put the kids to bed, put the head torch on, put the backpack on, and we'd go out into the bush, you know, do sets of stairs and wander along the coast and the in the sand and up the hills, and we were getting really fit for our adventures. So that continued. But through that journey, it was sort of like a bushy boot camp, really, that we had going. But I was struggling to reach out to large numbers of women, and I was I was very frustrated with that. I was like... Why don't all women want to join me? Like, you know, because I didn't have a lot of marketing experience. My training was as a phys ed teacher and a journalist. So the journalism training was great because that allowed us to get PR, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to get many women. And so I thought, well, how can we get many women? Well, the best way to get many women is to provide something, a goal that's so compelling that you don't need a trainer to rock up with. You just need your girlfriend. So you need to get your girl gang together. And it needs to be really fun and really enjoyable. And it also needs to be kind of near home. So it doesn't need to be in Argentina, for example. It needs to be somewhere close by. So that was how Coast Trek was born. It was really a way to get more women hiking. And then by adding the charity element, because we now raise money for the Heart Foundation for Women's Heart Health, that was a really key part of the puzzle. What that did was it gave women permission to go out training for hours <laughs> without feeling guilty because they could tell their partner or their husband, hey, darling, I'm gone for four hours on a Sunday morning, but I'm raising money for the Heart Foundation. And suddenly that guilt of like, oh, I really should be at home, you know, I really should have family time or I really should be doing this or whatever we tell ourselves, that became less important. We no longer felt guilty at going out and walking for four hours with our girlfriends. <laughs> So the fundraising part of Coast Trek became a really important thing to take away that guilt. So that's our little combination now. We've got fun, fitness, friends and fundraising. And because it's so fun, we need the fundraising to, to let us do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And I suppose that really um, just really ticks off that contribution, that want to contribute um, the need to do that. So it really ticks that box. So it ticks off all the, all the X, as you say, and I've got friends who are training for the Sydney one at the moment. And when they're out training, they include a cocktail as part of their training. <laughs> and they are solving the problems of the world. <laughs> they are solving the problems of the world. Like that, that social element, because when you're walking with somebody, you're side by side and the conversations that flow from that, like there wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be a walk that I hadn't talked to the person next to me. If it, like, they might not even be close friends. They might be just someone that you just see once a week as you know, part of your walk. But you have these deep conversations and no matter who they are or where they come from, you will exchange ideas and thoughts and you will solve problems. It's, it's the most remarkable thing. Uh, about walking, the creative thought processes, the problem solving. So that's another bonus that we don't put in the we don't put in the marketing brochures, but <laughs> we all experience it. Yeah, a hundred percent. They are just loving the training. And one of my friends, she did it pre-COVID, and she really enjoyed the time with her girlfriends as well. So went on the peninsula. So they made a weekend out of it. They stayed down there. So it was just wonderful, and I can see. 
through how you light up, you know, what this means to you, inspire so many women to do this and to also raise so much money for the Heart Foundation. Is there any re- any particular reason why you've chosen the, the Heart Foundation? Absolutely. The Heart Foundation is an amazing, an amazing partnership for us because we know walking, particularly hiking, and I just want to make the distinction, walking is, you know, we're human, so we know how to walk and we, you know, very soon learn from birth how to walk. If it's just walking, it's quite often, most of us live urban, in urban areas and it's, and it's most often on a flat, concrete kind of surface. So, so that's still good for you. That's good for general health, good for your immunity. It gets the blood circulating, etc. But just walking doesn't really get that heart pumping. And to improve your heart health, you have to get that heart pumping. That's why you need soft sand and hills. So the two things that we put into Coast Trek that get complained about the most by our Coast Trekkers <laughs> is the soft sand and the hills. And we love those things because they're really good for your heart health. So in partnering with the Heart Foundation, it gives us an opportunity to talk about that. We have a fantastic ambassador, Dr. Nikki Bart. She's one of Australia's top cardiologists. And she just beautifully says, I can give you a magic pill. And she puts her hand out, that is a magic pill. And you go, what is it? And she goes, it's walking. (laughs) And we all go, oh, now the doctor, if the doctor says that that's a magic pill, then that's got to be a magic pill. But what makes it really magic for your heart health is that going up the stairs and going along the sand where you get your heart rate up. So vigorous, you have to be vigorous. Quite often people don't like vigorous physical activity because they think it's going to be painful or, you know, it's going to make them sweat. Uh, But, you know, look, you pop up a hill, it doesn't have to be a big hill or a long hill. You pop up the hill for a little while, you get a little bit of a puff and that's what Coast Trek does. But the other important thing about raising money for the Heart Foundation is that we want to really focus on the issue of gender when it comes to heart disease. We know that heart disease is the number one killer of Australian women. And we know that most often, if a woman has heart disease, she will most often die before it gets diagnosed and before she can get help. And part of the reason for that is that right back from the very beginnings of research into the heart and into heart health and heart disease, the researchers select male mice over female mice. So right at the very beginning of the research chain, you have male mice, so male physiology. You have the majority of the researching people are males. So you have a male lens examining male mice physiology. And the results of all of that come out with a largely male lens and a male physiological assessment of the nature of heart disease and the symptoms of heart disease. Most of us think of heart disease as something that middle-aged white men have experienced, but that's not in fact the case. If a woman has heart disease, quite often she's tired, that's generally it. You know, she might just be feeling a bit flat, but generally that's all it is. Most often if she has a male doctor, she'll go to the doctor and he'll go, look, you're a bit stressed, darling, just go home and have a lie down. And this makes it a very big problem because sometimes when there really is a heart disease in a female and she doesn't get diagnosed, you know, that could end up leading to death and sudden death. So the focus of our fundraising with the Heart Foundation is to focus on the research, to get more women doing the research, to get a more female-centred approach to understanding heart disease so that if you go to the doctor with these symptoms that the doctor goes, oh, I'm going to send you for a test. Um, So that's the key thing. And the other really key thing that 
we're very supportive of as part of our funding for the Heart Foundation is that everyone has a heart. Everyone needs to know how it works and everyone needs to know they have a role in keeping it healthy. It's a muscle. If you don't work it, it doesn't stay healthy. So it's really a match made in heaven, actually, Julie. Yeah, well, absolutely. And like you say, I most of the information that you hear around heart health is very male-centric. So to be highlighting this to women is so important and I 100% encourage women that if they feel like something isn't right and they're told, don't worry about it, go and lay down, advocate for yourself, push and get the help or get tests or whatever it is that you need. Do not accept no for an answer. Yes, and don't wait until you're 40 or 50 years of age. We've got one of our ambassadors, a lady called Jen Tucker. Jen was 37 years of age. She was fit. She was a runner. She was a mother of two young children. She had a big job. She exercised every day. And she had an experience where she was walking along, um, wheeling one of the kids at the pram, just you know, walking along the street, doing the shopping. And she had this feeling and she was like, oh, like I'm really not feeling good. And she had to sit down in the gutter. She was feeling that bad. And somebody came up and said, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not okay. Anyway, they took her to the doctor. He said, oh, it's just stress. You know, you've got a big job. You know, you need to take more time to rest. So she went home and took more time to rest and tried to deal with it. And she got the same feeling back a couple of months later. And she was like, oh, nah, I'm going to go and get another opinion. So she went to see a, um, she had a test done and she went to see a cardiologist and he said, look, you're 37, like, you know, you're really fit, you're really healthy, like, you know, I'm sure there's nothing wrong, but we'll we'll just, you know, we'll just connect you up to these machines and do this test. So, you know, she's in the ward and he says, look, because this is such a low-risk situation, do you mind if we bring all the student doctors in? And she's like, no, bring all the doctors in. She said there were room full of people, everyone was laughing and joking and she was connected up to all these machines and she was chatting to a mum and she had the kids there and the cardiologist there and everything was all rosy. And this screen popped up. And suddenly she said, the room, you could have heard a pin drop. And she looked up at the doctor and she said, is everything okay? And he said, "Uh, not really. And she was like, what? And he says, could everybody leave, please? (laughs) He cleared the room and he said, you have got a 90% blockage of your major artery and with your permission, we need to operate straight away. This is a 37-year-old, fit, healthy mother. <laughs> and, you know, like she wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for that doctor. And the thing is, like, she had none of the risk factors. The other incredible thing is that I'm not sure if I get these stats right and I should have them at my fingertips, but something like 50% of women have at least two risk factors for heart disease. 50% of women in Australia have at least two risk factors. So the main risk factors you'd know would be overweight, would be diabetes, would be lack of exercise, would be a high, high processed diet. So if you think about your own body, your own lifestyle, if you've got two of those, and there's, there's more than four of them, there's, there's many more, but if you have two of those, you need to take note. <laughs> you need to do something about it because it's not an old white man's disease. It can happen to young people. And, you know, since COVID, you know, there's, there's also an increase, a 17% increase in sudden death through, through cardiac arrest. So 
there's a lot going on with our hearts and um, we're really proud to be partnered with the Heart Foundation to help educate particularly women around the dangers, the risks and how much you can do to help yourself. 100% die. And that is such a a really important note to finish our chat on and I think everything that you've spoken about today is so aligned to the Leading You podcast because I believe that you are a leader regardless of whether you have a title or not because we're all leaders of our own life. So we really need to be leading this key component of our lives, which is our health. So, Di, oh, my God, I cannot enough your energy your intelligence and your wisdom has just been incredible and I really thank you for being part of the podcast today oh thank you so much for having me and get out there girls grab your friends and go walking up those hills absolutely I'll be sharing all the links with the show notes so thank you Di thank you so much Julie cheers